welcome once again to Countdown to Eternity. Today, Pastor James Gaddis will demonstrate the lies being propagated by the World Aggressive Movement for a global totalitarian federation that will prepare the way for the final Antichrist. The Bible is without error, and God has proven to be right every time, even before the development of the technology necessary to fulfill the prophecies concerning the coming time. Here's Pastor James now with today's edition of Countdown to Eternity. Well, hello, my dear brothers and sisters. I want to welcome you to another episode of Countdown to Eternity. And on this episode, which might I say will be a very unique one, I will be doing this by myself. Uh, Don Stewart is yet again unavailable just for this week. And we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. I thought that I would take it upon myself to talk about the issues that are related to the world of the coming Antichrist and to maybe have a conversation about how the mechanism of globalists will be deployed all throughout the world in order to achieve the goals of this new totalitarian leader. Now, there is so much to be said here and so much awareness to be brought to the table because there's a lot of things that are going on right now under so many people's noses. And I think that it's important that if we do truly believe that God's word is real, that the assertions of God's word are true, and that every prediction has credibility to it because we know God never gets it wrong, we should probably shed some light on so many of the things that are happening around us. Now, I want to say this because it is important that we lay the biblical foundation for why I'm having this discussion and the road that we're going to go down. It really does start with Revelation chapter 6. Now, I know I spend a lot of time talking about Revelation chapter 6, but Revelation chapter 6, yes, speaks of future events that will take place after we as the church are raptured. But it's very important to notice that what happens in Revelation chapter 6 will be the ultimate form of destruction as it relates to, I guess for lack of a better term, the constructs that manna leaves behind. Because during that time, there will no longer be a restraining force holding back the evil that is about to come. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 actually tells us that we as Christians will act as the restraining force. Literally, we are the ones filled with the Holy Spirit that act as the restraining force that keep the final Antichrist from coming into fruition. So we know that he won't be revealed until after we are raptured. We also know that the commencement of the tribulation will take place when he makes strong this peace agreement, as noted in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. But what's even more important to note here is the pattern of what happens when secular humanist influences come into play with respect to totalitarian rule. Understand this, folks. The ultimate totalitarian leader that will exist in world history will be the final Antichrist. In Revelation chapter 6, it talks to us about the rider of the white horse. I believe that is speaking directly concerning the final Antichrist. I also think that when we stop for a moment to consider the significance of him coming on the world scene, the destruction and the wake of destruction that he leaves behind will be substantial. His totalitarian rule will, of course, bring what all totalitarian rule brings, and that is war. The totalitarian leaders oftentimes bring on 
tons of warmongering. We know that that's the process. And I think it's very important for us to understand the fact that after the white horse is introduced, we see the introduction of the red horse, which of course represents war. Then after the result of warmongering and war, we find ourselves in the midst of the black horse, which of course brings economic failure, famine, and all the other things that go with that. Of course, it is very interesting how in Revelation chapter 6, it speaks about preserving the oil and the wine, which is directly indicative of the idea that there will be a ruling class who will be preserved in the process of this destructive force that is commenced by the final Antichrist. But it's also important to know that by the time all of this is over, we see the introduction of the pale horse, which is a quarter of the population, one-fourth, 25% of the population on the earth will be destroyed. It's a lot of lives, folks. And I think that it is important to understand that what we read about in Revelation chapter 6 is a picture of what has happened on a much smaller scale all throughout the tenure of human history. When you bring on the introduction of a totalitarian ruler, you will always bring on the incursion of war. With the incursion of war, you bring into play economic failure. You bring in famine and many other things that go with that. And of course, the ultimate result of all of that is going to be death on a large scale. We saw this with World War I. We saw this with World War II. We see this with what may very well be very soon, World War III. And we continue to see an effort being made by people who consider themselves to be individuals looking for the betterment of the world seeking to bring that level of deception into the hearts and minds of those individuals who are gullible enough, in essence, to basically believe what's being said. Now, what's interesting here is I have in front of me a significantly sized report that comes to me from the World Economic Forum. As you know, they recently met in Davos. They, of course, are the leading globalists that are seeking to put into play the agenda of the final Antichrist. They don't realize that they're actually doing it, but they are doing it in essence. And in many cases, there are many members of the World Economic Forum that do not have nefarious intent, yet they are being guided and leaded by people with significant nefarious intent. What is even more remarkable than that is how quickly people are beginning to believe the lies that are ensuing by the manipulation of the social constructs that they are attempting to create. Davos started off by a few very important keynote speakers. And when I say important, I mean important to them and to their cause. And perhaps one of the most eye-opening of keynote speakers was the South Korean president. Now, if you don't know what was said in the context of the address given by the South Korean president, Yuk Sok Yol, you will be shocked to find out some of the points that the president made. Understand what the president had to say in the address. Let me go over some of the key points of what the president had to say and understand this, when you begin to hear some of the points that the president made, you will realize very quickly that we are looking towards a globalist formation 
that is preparing the world for the things that we read about in the book of Revelation, particularly Revelation 13. So the Korean, South Korean president started by saying the world is under the pressure of economic uncertainty. The global supply chain has been fragmented and public slash private corporate cooperation is needed. Now I want to stop for just a second and say they are the ones that created the supply chain problem. It's the globalist that chose to create the problem with the supply chain. I think it's important because the mechanism of mass psychosis that these people tend to deploy centers around the fact that they create a massive problem and then after they create the massive problem, they come up with a nominal way to fix the problem that is not really truly a fix, but enough to get the people to say thank you. And it's a very destructive pattern. I also think it's very important for us to note this because this is a form of manipulation that continues to take place. And it is, of course, the tool that the final Antichrist will use to manipulate so many people. So he says we've got a problem. Now pay attention to this because this is important. And he says that there is a significant amount of cooperation that's necessary amongst the world, the private and the government sector, which is not the first time we've heard terminology and rhetoric like this being used. And he says, these are the multiple crises that we have been witnessing that necessitates the need for intervention by everybody. Of course, he brings up the pandemic. He speaks about geopolitical conflict. He speaks about rivalry for technological harmony, for lack of a better term, right? He speaks of weakening of multilateral trade. Then he begins to speak about supply shocks in multiple sectors. He brings up vaccines and pharmaceutical stuff. He brings up semiconductors, minerals, food, energy. Begins to talk about the emergence of block formations among countries that have increased, specifically between the East and the West. He talks extensively about overcoming the climate crisis and how that has become, notice this folks, a common agenda for all nations on earth. He speaks about energy transition and energy security, which are not mutually exclusive goals, which by the way is a very dangerous thing to say because by saying they're not mutually exclusive goals, he is looking to find ways to leverage both forms in the energy sector in order to propagandize the way things like travel, basic things like keeping heat in your home and all these other things happen. He talks about globalizing. Listen to this, folks. This is amazing. He says, we must build a global digital order so that technology can help global citizens expand their freedom. The Digital Bill of Rights in Korea serves as an example for the world. By the way, I want you to understand this. When we talk about the idea that global citizens need to expand their freedom by the use of a global digital order, understand that means those people who cooperate with the rules and the subsets created by the totalitarian rulers that determine how 
the globally free world should function. That's exactly what we're talking about here. And this is very akin to the idea that if you don't take a mark on your forehead or on your hand, you won't be able to do anything and eventually you'll be executed. It's amazing to me how Klaus Schwab, the leader of the World Economic Forum, then came out in the midst of that address and basically explained to everybody, this is what's scary, that North Korea, or sorry, South Korea, has embraced the Fourth Industrial Revolution. By the way, the Fourth Industrial Revolution is another way of saying the Fourth Reich, potentially could be the Fourth Kingdom that we read about in the book of Daniel. There's a lot of ways of looking at it. Schwab then comes out and addresses the president and asks the president this question. He says, what practical steps will South Korea take to make sure the country plays a major role in the reshaping of global supply chains? That's a loaded question, by the way. Listen to Yoon's response. He says, restore and recover supply chains within Korea and then expand them globally, particularly in the area of semiconductors. I think that means we are looking to play some funny business, especially as it relates to the problem that is beginning to form in Taiwan. Now, this is interesting. He goes and he asks President Yol. He says this. What is the energy strategy Korea is using to reach net zero emissions? And his answer is Korea plans to reverse a drawdown of nuclear power and expand a nuclear power generation. Korea plans to export nuclear power technology globally. And Korea plans to develop a new renewable energy sector, including wind and solar. Now, this is where it gets really interesting, folks. Klaus Schwab directly asked the president this question. How do you foresee Korea's relationship with key partners in the region? By the way, when we're talking about key partners in the region, we're talking about potentially unilateral talks with individuals like China, which, by the way, would be completely unheard of. Then he goes on to ask this question. How will the strengthening of new alliances impact peace and stability on the Korean peninsula and the region? And this is what the president says. Pay attention to this, folks. He says there are countries that share universal values and they will be key partners on economic and security issues. He goes on to say that block formation will lead to increased cooperation among like-minded countries but does not require excluding others. When he says it does not require excluding others, what he means is you don't have to worry about any of that because any countries that choose to be excluded by lack of their cooperation, will not be able to do anything like buy or sell. Sounds very much like the idea of the final Antichrist. That brings us to the next area of deception, and that's what's related to Russia. For some of you that caught it, maybe some of you did not, former U.S. Secretary of State Henry Kissinger addressed everybody at Davos. And he made some very interesting statements about Ukraine. He said the Ukraine war shows that Russia cannot overcome united resistance in a conventional conflict. Uh, sorry, I think Kissinger is a brilliant man, but there is no way in the world he's right about that statement. As a matter of fact, we are beginning to see evidence that NATO is about to fall apart over the decisions they are making particularly with respect to what's happening in Korea. And what's even more interesting and perhaps unique 
is the relationship between what is happening in Ukraine with all of the other surrounding nations in NATO that may have to confront the idea of jumping into full-scale war. They're beginning to back away. He also went on to say that NATO has been expanded and strategic objectives have been achieved. No way, baloney. NATO has actually fallen apart. There are people that are beginning to abandon the idea of standing on behalf of one another's interests because of what is actually happening with respect to Ukraine. This is interesting. He says the U.S. should continue and even intensify support for Ukraine until a ceasefire line is reached and accepted. Folks, I'm going to tell you this right now. That is not going to happen. That is not going to happen. Folks, I want to make myself very clear here, and this is based on Ezekiel chapter 38. There is no way in the world that any assertion that Russia can be defeated by conventional means through the use of some kind of a cooperation between NATO alliance nations is ridiculous. It's not going to happen, and the reason why we know it's not going to happen is because when we start looking at Ezekiel chapter 38, Ezekiel 38 tells us about the fact that the leader of Russia, presumably the leader of Russia, entitled Gog in Ezekiel 38, from the region of Magog will lead a conglomerate of nations against Israel. And although there will be a few nations who will vocally object to the attack, nobody is going to stand militaristically speaking. As a matter of fact, Russia will appear to be undefeated and the world will appear to be scared of Russia's actions as they continue south against Israel. But Russia will indeed be defeated, but not at the hands of any superpower in the world at that time. I believe that the Bible tells us that Russia will be defeated per Ezekiel 39 by God himself. By the way, I think that Ezekiel 38 and 39 happens immediately after the rapture or pretty close to after the rapture. Maybe even as it's taking place, we'll begin to see things related to Ezekiel 38 begin to happen. Because in Ezekiel 39, God makes the declaration after he defends Israel, successfully, by the way, and in a very powerful way, that his whole purpose for doing such is because he is in a period of dealing with the nation of Israel. Now, we know per what Daniel tells us concerning the 70th week of Daniel, and we certainly know from what the book of Revelation tells us that God is going to be dealing with Israel during the tribulation, and he will be bringing them back to him. In the time of Jacob's trouble, and throughout the tenure of that period, when the Jews recognized that the Messiah they were looking to, who was the final Antichrist, is not the Messiah, and they turned to Christ, there will be a remarkable spiritual awakening amongst the Jews, and many of them will be saved. God will get a hold of their hearts, and they will come back. Israel will come back to the Lord. The reason why I take such an aggressive and dogmatic stand regarding the condition of Russia is because we know that Russia will be a force that cannot be reckoned with by the time they lead the attack against the nation of Israel. 
God himself will be the only one that will be successful in destroying the enemies of Israel at that point. And what we can say, and it is a very important thing to say, is that it will be a supernatural work. The globalists want you to believe several things, folks. They want you to accept a lot of nonsense. They want you to believe that defeating Russia in Ukraine will lead to peace. It won't. You won't even be able to defeat Russia in peace. That's not going to happen. We know that because of what Ezekiel 38 tells us. I'm not going to get into the lies that they want you to believe about your health and some of the other things that are going on there. But one of the other delusions, one of the other lies that they want to tell you is that digital currencies, particularly central bank digital currencies, are going to be not only beneficial to you, but they're going to level the playing field and allow you to experience economic advantage, when in reality, all it's going to do is set totalitarian rule up to be able to determine what you can spend your money on, how much of it you can spend, and when you spend it on. If you don't believe me, you look at Visa right now. Visa and MasterCard both have uh, programs that are related to certain social standards with respect to climate change, where in some cases you don't or won't be able to buy gas at certain amounts during certain times of the day. They have what they call green credit cards that already restrict what you can buy and what you can't buy based on the amount of footprint that you establish with respect to your carbon use. That's one of the lies they want you to believe. Oh, it's going to be a much better way to do it. The other thing that they're going to want you to know is that if you listen to the world that we are trying to bring into play, you are going to have the ultimate freedom, the ultimate democracy, when in reality it will be the ultimate bondage. Folks, I want to say this, and it's very important because we're running out of time. Make no mistake about it. Jesus could come at any second. We see evidence of what we know will take place in the tribulation beginning to form. And folks, this is nothing that we should take lightly. The God of heaven is continuing to use story after story, tool after tool, item after item to warn us that times are changing that he is coming for his church. And we need to open up our eyes. If there's anything you listen to during this show, I want you to listen to how important it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have not given your life to him, your life is not secure. If you have not said, Lord Jesus, forgive me my sins, come into my heart, you don't have any peace. And let me just simply tell you, God is a God of peace. He wants to give it to you. And if you will come to know him, you can find rest and peace when you begin to see all of these things beginning to form because you know that Christ is coming for his church and we will become the beneficiaries of all that we're beginning to see. Folks, it's time to wake up. Well, we're out of time. Guys, this, this went by very, very quickly. 
I certainly hope that you enjoyed watching or listening to this as much as I've enjoyed making it. It has been a blessing, a little bit different from what we normally do for Countdown to Eternity, but may God richly bless you. May you keep your eyes on him and don't forget this, Jesus can come at any second. God bless you guys. This is Countdown to Eternity with Pastor James Cadiz. If you joined us later, would just like to hear this program again, it's simple to do at CountdownToEternity.com. That's Countdown, the number two, Eternity.com. Our podcast is available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. These are exciting times to be living in. Prophecy is being fulfilled right before our eyes. And we want to keep you informed, not only on this program, but through social media as well. Follow James Cadiz and Countdown to Eternity on Facebook and Instagram. Then subscribe to our YouTube channel at Calvary Chapel Signal Hill. We're also on Rumble at James Cadiz. I should also make mention of jamescadiz.com. You might think of it as a hub for all of our videos. You can watch our latest live show and video blogs there at jamescadiz.com. Whether you're a longtime listener or new to the program, we'd like to hear back from you and receive your thoughts, questions, and prayer requests. Email us through the website at countdowntoeternity.com. Countdown, the number two eternity.com we'd also appreciate your financial support it helps us do what we do each week here at countdown to eternity thank you for standing with us just visit countdown to eternity.com that'll do it for this week but come back for the next countdown to eternity as we review the latest headlines through the lens of bible prophecy this program is brought to you by calvary chapel signal hill